You're listening to Bo and Dave's excellent podcast, Chicago's podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bo and Dave's show or Facebook.com forward slash The Bo and Dave's show. Buckle up, bitches. It's about to get juicy. Can I have your attention? Are you listening? Am I falling on deaf ears? Am I whispering? You're on deck. Place your head in mine. Cause everyone is waiting. Please take your time. Can I end this obsession? Please take hold of me. Has it cost me all these years? You're buying into me. What is this place? What is this place? Oh, did I get you? Maybe I've changed. Is it too late? Is there no turning back? Who are you? What am I? Are you here to wipe the tears I've cried? Nobody wants to kiss a girl in black. Yes, sir. Girl in Black by Take the Reins, a kick-ass band here in Chicago. Check them out on Twitter at Take the Reins 312. Uh, it's R-E-I-N-S for all of you. I before E, except after C type people who don't know how to spell it. Take the Reins. Uh, you can get them on Facebook, um, Instagram, find them there. Uh, and you can get their music anywhere you listen to music. iTunes, you can get their music there. Spotify, they're everywhere. Take the Reins, a kick-ass Chicago band. I highly recommend you check them out. And if you're local, uh, go to one of their shows. They put on a great show. So episode 72, we are off to the races. Bill has a vacation day unpaid, of course. So it's Dave flying solo with you. And as I said, episode 72, we are off to the races. We've got a huge megastar on the phone right now. Um, she's an actress. She is in uh, Captain Marvel, which is truly amazing. It's the number one movie so far this year, I think it maybe got beat this weekend, but still definitely by far the number one mo- grossing movie in the box office. Sharon Blinn is on the phone. Welcome to the show. Sharon, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Nice to be here. It's, it's, uh, I, first of all, I got, I got to ask you, if, if somebody would have told you, like, say, five years ago that you're going to be in a, 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 Marvel, a, a Marvel movie, it's going to be the number one movie uh, in the country, what, would you have believed them? No, <laughs> I would not have. Um, and funny enough, I met Stan Lee actually two years ago um, at LA Comic-Con, and I thought that was going to be my bucket list, check it off, done. I finally met Stan Lee, and if you would have told me from that moment that would have gone past that, I wouldn't have believed you either. <laughs> <laughs> that's all, that's so, it's so, so amazing. I'm excited. Come true. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm excited <laughs> for you. This is so cool. So so you play Soren in uh, Captain Marvel. I know we can't get into too many details. We don't want to spoil it for people that haven't seen it. Um, but can you talk about your yeah. character a little bit uh, and, and explain uh, maybe who Soren is? Sure. Uh, Soren is, she's a scroll and she's the wife of Talos the leader of the girls, who's played by Ben Mendelsohn. And I think that's almost all I could tell you. <laughs> that's awesome. That's still cool. That's still cool. But I, I mean, so, uh, so, and I think that's all people need to know. 
But uh, curious, so everybody who's everybody who's anybody is in this movie. You got Brie Larson, obviously, plays Captain yeah. Marvel. Samuel L. Jackson, um, Jude Law. I know you said Ben Mendelsohn. Annette Bening's in this. I mean, yeah. holy cow. It just, uh, the list goes on and on. So I know we don't want to, we, we don't want to give away any of the plot of the movie. Obviously, it's a huge movie. And. I, I, it's hard to believe, but there are some people who haven't seen it. But can you talk about how you got this role? What was that process like? Um, the audition for this role was just like any other audition that one might get through representation. Um, I, so I went on uh, went to the audition for this one. I, I, I'm trying to remember. I think I did know it was Marvel, but I didn't know what movie. And it just said day player, so it's something very generic, and there was no text on the audition. It was just two sentences describing a scenario, uh, kind of a complex scenario with no other details about storyline or text or anything, no context, just here's two sentences about the scene we need you to create in the room with a camera. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, that's pretty intimidating, uh, usually, uh, that, that kind of thing, because that's the sort of thing where it's almost harder than having an audition with lines, actually, because um, it's just all emotion. And then also even just very fine technical stuff like eye lines and how to create the environment, physical environment in the room using just sight line and, and you know, your physicality and other things. So that, and that kind of stuff can put actors in our heads. And then we lose some of the emotional work that we're doing because we're wondering, how am I going to do this? And I, I actually had just started an audition technique class, separate from acting class. Really? And the first three classes I had done right before, and they focused on some of those technical things like eyeline and things like that and which side to enter the frame from, depending on where the camera, you know, just all these weird, they sound really weird and technical, but they're very important. And the first three classes gave me exactly what I needed to walk into that room knowing exactly what I was going to do. I could just ground myself in the emotional uh, arc of what I needed to create in the room, and I didn't have to worry about any technical stuff. I knew exactly what I was going to do, and I felt really comfortable, which is an unusual feeling in, in itself for an audition <laughs> in general. Oh, I bet. Really just, you don't necessarily feel that much at ease, but I just, I just knew what I wanted to do, and it felt amazing. And so I felt good about it no matter what. I felt good about what I had done in the room. And then getting the call was interplanetary. I don't even can't even explain what that felt like. <laughs> uh, I, I can only imagine. Now, so when you, uh, when you, when you get to the set, you know, to do your, to, to do mm -hmm. your scenes, is it kind of surreal being on like, I mean, they, there's not a lot of movies that get made like that anymore, right? It's, it's basically the superhero. There's not a lot of big budget, like blockbuster movies being made. Uh, the superhero movies are obviously one genre that does. So there's probably, there's mm -hmm. maybe now so more than ever, less and less people that have an opportunity to work on something like that. What was it like being on set? Was it kind of surreal? The whole thing is surreal for sure. I mean, this is also the biggest project that I've, as film-wise, have been involved in for sure. A huge studio, everything. So that in of itself, but even for me, again, as a fan, going to Legacy Effects and for the prosthetics fittings and basically looking behind the curtain of all these uh, incredible movies that I've seen and the effects and being where they make all that stuff happen was... <laughs> I can't even compute that. And then being on set, I actually go straight to makeup uh, once I'm on set. So the moment I set on uh, onto the soundstage, I'm in full gear. 
Wow. Um, so it's already a little bit unreal in the sense that I'm I'm in scroll form. I'm not even Karen at that point. I'm totally Soren. <laughs> wow. um, there's no. It's very easy to kind of get into character and stuff because I'm I'm you know I look in the mirror and don't even see me anymore. I'm just her, and it, that, that's incredible. Wow. And then everyone was so warm, and you know, there's an air on that kind of set too. I think I don't know if it's a Marvel thing or not because this is the first one I've ever done, but. Everyone on the set really just love being there, and there's probably more than half of them are actual fans like me, too. So the energy was just totally warm and excited, and there was no kind of, uh, okay, let's get this done. It was just, you know, of course there's the technical, okay, we have to get these shots, but it was all very, the spirit was really high, and, you know, meeting Ben for the first time again, we had to connect with our eyes and, our, you know, the movement and stuff, and it's sort of how do you do that? And then from behind all this stuff, and he was incredible to work with. Him and Brie both, just very warm and giving. Just it was amazing. That's that's so cool. That's I I I just um I'm excited for you because it's it's such a there's there, like I said there's there's such a limited pool of people that get an opportunity to do that. It's it's so cool. Um, before before we get into, I peeked out, man. I saw there was a fandom wiki page for the MCU, and I was on it. Like, I don't know who runs that, but someone sent me the link. Oh my god, I'm on the fandom wiki MCU link. You're, no way. <laughs> you're you're in it for good, and and I think you 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 have a career in uh, Comic Cons now for sure. If you ever, uh, oh my god, <laughs> ever need to do that? I mean, the, you know, comic. Next goal is Star Trek and Star Wars. You know, like let me just check off all my nerd tests. Goals oh, in life. For sure. <laughs> Let me for get sure. to those now too. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so before there, there is there is a there's a really cool, uh, well, what I think is a cool uh, Chicago tie. Obviously, we're here in Chicago. I know you're an East Coaster, mm-hmm. but that's all right. We we we, yeah. we love everyone. Um, but there's something that I'm I, a New Yorker. I'm in LA. I'm a New Yorker living in LA. Isn't so, that crazy? Yeah, but I'm always a New Yorker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Got my nine one seven phone number always. That's yeah. the, the, you know what? Isn't it funny how important <laughs> Uh, a telephone area code is it's it's, it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> for us in chicago the big one's 312 if you have a 312 number 312, like, absolutely, yeah. yeah you don't you don't <laughs> let go of it that's for sure um there's one cool thing i, I saw when we were doing uh we were, we were doing some research obviously and uh we didn't have to look too far for this we had we saw a note here that you worked as a marketing executive for verb for verb records back in the the late 90s yeah. Which I think is, I always I find that really interesting. What was it like being a music executive? Can you talk about that line of work at all? Oh yeah, it was. Uh, that was yet another kind of a dream come true scenario. I, I had a vision and a, an idea about working in the jazz biz and bringing great artists to the world. And um, I interned actually at Blue Note Records during college, and then worked at Verve, and then worked at Blue Note again after that. Um, so, you know, my first day interning at Blue Note Records before working full-time, I walk in and I'm standing in front of Bruce Lundvall and I'm like, that, that guy's name's on the LPs I have, <laughs> you know, like what, you know, that's insane. And then my first day at Verve Records when I walked in, Bobby Watson was just sitting in the lobby and oh, was like, what's happening? <laughs> so I was just in total heaven. I mean, I spent the first 10 years of my life in New York just immersed full immersion in the jazz scene in new york hanging out till four or five o'clock in the morning every night and uh, my grades during college did not falter i'll have you know <laughs> oh, excellent nice um 
but uh, I also realized how I could schedule classes to not start until after 10 a.m. So <laughs> I figured out how to maneuver that. But um, but yeah, that my whole life was all about that. And you know, I just as you know, people knew me in the industry just from hanging out in the clubs. You know, all those years, and I made lifelong friendships and connections with musicians and executives and everyone. And when the, this opening happened to work at Verve, I just you know I leapt at the chance and. Yeah, I just had an incredible time there at Vervana Blue Note. I, I, I know, like, uh, um, for, for those that don't know, um, Verve Records, obviously, I mean, Ella Fitzgerald, uh, I think even mm-hmm. Frank Zappa, Billie Holiday, I mean, I, you know, yeah, all, the, yeah. all the biggest Velvet names. Velvet Underground, you want to get real funky with it. And for Forecast, the imprint had a, had a lot of that avant-garde alternative so, stuff, too. That's, that's such a cool gig. How do you make the switch from that to acting? Or were you always acting? Well, I no, I had never done acting before. I have a twin sister, and she's been doing acting for a long time, way before me, and a lot of avant-garde, off-Broadway stage stuff and indie film. And you know, I always, you know, admired her just her her resolve to do. You know, I just thought, oh wow, I don't know if I could ever do that freelance artsy lifestyle. And I don't know. I was in the arts, but I had this, you know, I was in the corporate job scenario. And um, at a certain point, though, I, I decided I loved music too much to work at a record company, and I left, actually, the music business. Um, and a few months after leaving, I uh, had a little encounter with ovarian cancer. Yeah. So uh, that sort of altered my life direction significantly, and that was a three-year medical mystery tour. Um, and during the experience, losing my hair, I had trademark hippie jazz chick long hair, and I wore all black baggy men's clothes. It was real, you know, <laughs> right. uh, bohemian, you know, sure. on the New York jazz scene. And, uh, <laughs> and then I had to, okay, I'm going to lose my hair. Oh, my goodness. What does that mean? Who am I now? Oh, my gosh. You know, and then questioning, okay, well, well, if I'm just freaked out about losing my hair, what does that mean about how I was actually defining myself as a woman? and and so I just, I, I, that was sort of like the little seed that like, hmm, I, I want to do something to change that. I don't know what that looks like. And then I actually connected with these people doing a play. I don't know if you know the play Wit, but it's about a woman with ovarian cancer. And uh, they were doing a production of it, and they invited two ovarian cancer patients to come and talk to the actors about it and also help them with, like, you know, medical terminology and pronunciation. And I offered to shave the lead actor's head because she's bald in the play. Emma Thompson actually did it uh, for HBO. She did a film version of it. Oh, wow. Um, and so they sent a photographer. They said, hey, that'll be fun. Sent a photographer. And I just thought it would be this cute little side you know, article in the, the arts section in the Herald down in Florida. I was down in Florida when I got diagnosed. And it ended up this ex- extraordinarily beautiful picture of the two, me and the actors, ha- were, laugh- were facing each other, laughing hysterically, holding each other's bald faces, heads, whatever. And it's such a great, joyful picture. And people saw it, and I didn't know when it was coming out, but people just started calling my parents and just, oh, my God, the picture's so amazing. I'm sending it to my aunt who's going through treatment, and it's going to make her smile. Or I'm keeping this picture by my computer because it's going to make me feel good about things. And so I just that clicked, like, okay, the power of image to change how they, people perceive this thing called cancer and also themselves about what makes us beautiful and whole as women. And that's when I said to myself, okay, I'm going to – when I finished with this cancer thing. I want to do Bald is Beautiful. 
and that involved acting and modeling and just other ways to put any any way to put the image out there as a bald woman in ways that redefine and uh, recontextualize what bald women look like you know what that bald look, look means what it can mean you know we can't control you know having cancer but we can control our experience of it and and, and the experience of all the side effects of it and we we can decide for ourselves how we define and perceive and experience those things so that's how it all began yeah. In a nutshell, a little bit of a big nutshell. <laughs> no, but I, you know what, and 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 I think it's I I I didn't know that that had a part in your transition from the music industry and uh, acting and and that. Um, but bald yeah. baldisbeautiful dot org is the website to check out. And and yeah, you touched on it. You're yeah. you're a, you are an ovarian cancer survivor. And I think um, this when when I was doing the research uh, for this interview, I I really was reading into that a lot because for me as a guy i like you know to to lose your hair isn't isn't that big of a deal right um and i think it, I think guy, it yeah, yeah i think it gets <laughs> yeah yeah and I, and I think it gets i think it gets lost on on us like what a big like there's enough going on when you're diagnosed right with with ovarian cancer yeah. or, or anything like that and then on top of it um, as a as a woman to have to lose your hair, that's just like I mean, it's, it's I found a common common thing with women I would talk to is the first question, of course, is you know, oh my gosh, am I going to die? And the second, our brains and mouths is, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my hair. It and it that that's one of the striking things that I learned as I was moving through my own journey and meeting other women along the way was. Oh my gosh! Why are we so? Why are we being forced to be so stressed about yeah. hair when we're trying to live here? You know what? That's crazy. I need to change that. I want to do something about it. Yeah, no, and it's awesome. And and uh, and I mean, you've you've obviously you've been recognized for it, and and I'm sure that's a that's a. I, I'm I'm sure that's not the reason why you do this kind of stuff, but it is kind of cool that other people are noticing it, right? Because I think you can put this stuff out there and nobody sees it, you know, what? what's the point? But it seems like this right. is really um, being accepted and, and revered. Uh, you know, you were personally selected by Lily Tartikoff to uh, receive the National Coalition of Cancer Survivorship Hope Award um, at the Rays, yeah. of, at the Rays of Hope Gala. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'd met her over the years. I was I always participated in the Revlon Run Walk events over the years, and so I would basically see her every year in New York, and uh, and we just became you know close. And just even though we'd see each other only that one time a year or twice, doing the LA events as well, I would do that twice a year. My favorite days of the year, being surrounded by fifty thousand or so incredible, you know, amazing people. Uh, it's just an, an awesome feeling and, uh, she, she, we stayed connected obviously throughout the years and, and they just called me out of the blue and said, Hey, I want to give you this award. And I was like, Oh my God, that's, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I just don't even know. She gives so much, you know, she, when she did those events and she's still with the entertainment industry foundation, she does, she's a warrior, man. She's one of my heroes and to be honored by her was just insane. Yeah, that's and and everybody knows somebody or knows somebody who knows somebody who's been affected by some form of cancer. I know um, I've got a relative that had ovarian cancer at a young age, and that's a scary thing too. Is like oh, wow. it has no, there's no age right where this stuff starts. 
Um, you know, I think you were... No age and no tests for ovarian cancer, actually. That's also one of the main thrusts of Bald is Beautiful is, is ovarian cancer awareness and advocacy for research funds to develop early detection because we don't still have a test. There's no test that a woman can take at her biannual gynecological exam to see if you have it. And the symptoms are easily masked as other non-malignant things. So it's basically if they get bad enough and you end up having to have some kind of surgical procedure and then they can look at it under a microscope. But, you know, but who wants to have a surgery every time you have like a really bad stomach ache, you know, and right. it might, might be ovarian cancer. It's, so that's one of the critical things that I really like to try and talk about with with the advocacy is you know, in September is Ovarian Cancer Awareness Month and it's virtually silent in the media about it and we need to change that too. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So make sure you guys make sure you check out baldisbeautiful.org. There's um there's obviously there's there's a, a place there you can easily donate, um, but I think just even if you can share the website and get the word out, I think awareness, it doesn't have to be September, you know, um, but I think anything yeah, you can do on right. stuff like this is just to keep it in people in the front of people's mind that, that there's a lot of people out there that need support and, and stuff like this is great. It's yeah. really amazing work that you're doing with that. Yeah. And the, the visibility and the platform that I can get from all the things that I like this Marvel thing is incredible. And, I just, you know, it's one of those things where the more people I can reach, you know, by whatever means is, you know, is incredible. And, and also the thing with Captain Marvel being so female-centered, both in the lead and it's the first it's the first female-led Marvel movie and then the first female director in the MCU and all these things that are so, for me, as, as an activist, activist, I call myself, <laughs> um, that just makes it all the more gratifying that I'm just part of this thing that speaks to every aspect of who I am and what I do as an actor, as a person, you know, as an activist. It's it's just full full spectrum joy. <laughs> right. It's that it's it's awesome. It's awesome that you're doing. Now, did when Captain Marvel came out, did you go see it in the theater? Like. You know, oh heck yeah! With everyone else, yeah. <laughs> well, first I, I did get to see the cast and crew screening a few days earlier, which was the first time I'd seen the final cut. So, you know, I didn't know really what of my stuff was left. There's always, as you know, as actors, cutting room floor. I don't know. <laughs> so seeing it, I saw it on the Tuesday, and I saw, oh my god, all my stuff is still in there! Yay! You know, <laughs> and then. And I think, though, I didn't even really see all of it because I was just so buzzing and excited about just the whole thing. And then also seeing some of the same makeup and effects people that I got to work with every day, you know. So it was just like this big family reunion. And then I went back again uh, with my boyfriend. We went, we usually, our tradition is we go to, like, midnight movies and stuff so we can have the theater to, more to ourselves. <laughs> sure. We enjoy the ride, you know. So we went Saturday, uh, really late. I think it was a pretty show. Um, and I think there maybe four other people. Um, and because it was totally sold out most of for Friday was completely sold out so Saturday we found the later shows were a little easier Um, yeah I went to the midnight movie and I really saw like there's a couple moments it's just my head on the screen and it's just like oh my god (laughs) that's incredible (laughs) that's awesome there's my name Holy, holy smokes it's got to be bizarre seeing yourself on a big screen like that it's so cool i i'll tell you this and yeah. and and i usually don't talk about this too much but uh i've got uh my son works at a movie theater right it's a great teenager's job and he uh he yeah. and, and he made a comment and this is before we knew you were coming on he uh he made a comment he's like man he's like this has been the busiest weekend 
and I and he's been there for like two years, right? So he saw like Black Panther and, and all the other ones come out. Like this uh, yeah. has been the biggest weekend that we've ever had at this theater. It was Captain Marvel that came out. He was like, it's it's unbelievable. So huge movie. It's been a huge success, and it is Amazing. awesome with with so many females in it. That's such a like you said, a female centric movie. It's awesome. It's really cool. And it's not just for females. That's the other thing that I love about it. Is it sort of that message goes for young men and you know men and boys as well as that message of you know uh, mutual respect and uh, you know admiration and and that that just makes us all that rise to our potential. So it's not just like girl. It's not it's not like man bashing or girls are better. It's sort of you know. Women are powerful, and if you respect us and we respect each other mutually, everyone wins. You know, the world, the universe wins. For sure, no, that, absolutely, and it's 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 awesome. It's awesome to see that take such a uh, such a center stage here, and it's it's really cool. Um, so there is a Chicago tie here with with uh, with Sharon, and and we always look for one. We didn't have to look too hard, um, and it was a guest starring role on one of our hometown shows. Shameless. Now I say that kind of tongue in cheek because I know that they, they don't shoot as much in Chicago as maybe they used to at first. But um, but yeah, yeah, so you had a guest starring role on Shameless. Did you actually film a scene here in Chicago or was it out there? It was actually shot here in L.A., yes. So yeah. I didn't get to go to Chicago. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, it was, a, it was a, a wonderful, beautiful scene actually with William H. Macy um, and I was speaking, I w- the role was me speaking at a cancer support group, funny enough. And so it was extremely personal and very moving to do the scene and to work with someone like William H. Macy, just, you know, beautiful. So yeah, that was an, ext- an extraordinary experience. That's, that's cool. We always try and look for some type of, uh, even just a little, like, even if it's a distant connection. So I always thought that's cool. I'll give you, a, I'll give you another seriously distant connection. All right. You're going to trip out about this. <laughs> All right. From my Verve days, <laughs> my Verve days, I put together a compilation that was going to be used for an ad age magazine, whatever, which was basically, this is going to sound weird, but the entire Verve catalog on one CD. Oh, wow. <laughs> without getting into too deep in the woods about how I did it. Um, but I had this compilation, and what I wanted to do, I arranged the sequencing of the music based on, instead of doing like chronological or style or whatever, I, I did it by sonically by creating life cycles. Like what sonically gives you a feeling about certain life cycles, birth, death, um, you know, moving out on your own, your first new apartment, you know, marriage, love, heartbreak, you know, just life cycles that we go through, and what, what music clips convey that emotion and what i did then was to create i hired ken nordine i <laughs> know <laughs> <laughs> you know who that is i hired ken nordine to write interstitial poems called music and they um the the compilation is called music for the moment and and he wrote these poems called maybe the moment to introduce kind of to transition between the section in this cd which is not unfortunately is not commercially available um but I got to go to Chicago, go meet Ken Nordine, working with him in his studio. It was just heaven. Oh yeah, so yeah. There's a, there's an even more remote Chicago that, connection with me. That's pretty <laughs> awesome. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, Ken Nordine, obviously a renowned uh, recording yeah. artist, jazz voice. Oh yeah, Ken Nordine's been around for. We're jazz, yeah, man. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, no, that's that is so awesome. So. Yeah, so Captain Marvel's still out there, um, and 
And, uh, you know, I want to get the website in there again because that's very important, baldisbeautiful.org. And uh, you can follow Sharon on Twitter, at Sharon Blinn, uh, or on Instagram, bald. Dot, yeah, yeah. Uh, bald.is.beautiful uh, on Instagram. So, um, Sharon, what else? Is there anything else that we can promote or we can talk about or look out for? Um, I can't talk about stuff right now, but I can say just stay tuned and follow me on those. On the socials, on the interwebs. For sure. And uh, I'll keep everyone posted. (laughs) That's awesome, awesome. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for coming on, and best of luck. And and, uh, we'll be sure to be following along, and uh, congratulations on all your success. Thank you so much. All right, bye. Bye. All right, guys, there you go. That was Sharon Blinn. She plays Soren and Captain Marvel, the number one movie so far this year in the box office, Captain Marvel. It's... uh, it's a great movie. You got to go check it out, especially if you like superhero movies, or even if you don't, it's a cool movie to check out. Uh, follow her on Instagram, bald.is.beautiful, or on Twitter at Sharon Blinn. That's B L Y N N. And uh, guys, most importantly, if you take anything from this podcast, check out the website, baldisbeautiful.org. There's things that are more important in life than the stuff that we talk about or joke about on this show. Uh, And this is one of them. Just take the time, check out the website. If you can donate, at the very least, share it. Let people know that it exists because there's a good chance that somebody you know knows somebody who knows somebody who could possibly use this site. So baldisbeautiful.org, check it out, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to subscribe and rate us. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bill and Dave Show or Facebook.com forward slash The Bill and Dave Show.